Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. Excuse my voice, it's getting better. It sounds worse than it actually feels. But I thank the Lord for this Sunday. I, I just feel like just, you know, I was going over my life as we were in the midst of worship and just thinking about how good God has been since the last Resurrection Sunday. Anybody, can you think about the things that you've gone through in the last 12 months? How good God has been to you? Ooh, thank you, Lord. Well, let me take you all back a little further as we get into the message. I want you to, all, I want you to just reminisce with me. Um, what was your favorite cereal growing up as a kid? Somebody said, Captain Crunch, tricks are for kids. <laughs> Didn't have any. Oatmeal, grits, malto meal, <laughs> fruit loops. Somebody said honeycombs. Well, you know what? You said tricks, right? So I was thinking about, you know, this is Resurrection Sunday, and tricks used to say, uh, silly rabbit. Tricks are for kids, right? You remember that? And I, I was meditating on this Resurrection Sunday and how some people are, you know, they think Easter is all about the bunny rabbit. Uh, but I think we ought to just let the devil know, silly rabbit, Easter is for Jesus. Amen. It's all about Jesus. It's not about the bunny. Amen. The bunny ain't done nothing for you. I want to thank everyone who uh, participated and helped out at the Good Friday fish fry and service. It's a wonderful service. And this month is not done yet. If you weren't here last week, we, we focused on just causing people to become believable again. And also people expressing their faith in Jesus. And the theme was believe again. Today I'm going to talk about another aspect of uh, redoing something again but I want you to invite your friends next week we're going to laugh again uh, our theme is is all about the joy of the Lord and about laughter and three of our own Park Lawn comedians are going to take the platform and we're going to just experience the joy of the Lord so invite somebody next Sunday to both of the services but today we want to dream again we want to dream again. I'm convinced that the enemy, the reason that he provoked those bomb attacks in Sri Lanka is he's trying to steal the dream of the believers of, of Christ. He's trying, to, he's trying to damper their faith and weaken their faith. But Resurrection Sunday is all about faith. 
It's all about dreaming. It's all about believing. It's all about putting our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ. Good Friday was certainly a day in which there were tears on the earth as the mother of Jesus was, was standing at the foot of the cross and the disciples of Jesus were discouraged because the one that they had put their hope in was now being crucified. But Jesus wanted us and wanted them to know, hold on to your dream. You can dream again. See, God is waiting for his people to dream again. There's a powerful scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 in verse 20 that the living Bible says, Glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Now, if there ever was a blank check in scripture, it's this one right here. Y'all know what a blank check is, right? You can just fill in the dollar amount that you want, it to, to, you want to cash it for. That's what God is giving to his church, to his people. He's saying, listen, I've got all the resources in heaven and earth. I'm giving you a blank check, whatever you can even dare to ask me for. I can go beyond that. Whatever you can even dream about, I can top that. Your only limitation is, is what you can believe God for. So God is saying he wants us to dream again. He wants us to become like Abraham. Abraham was a dreamer. And God had to call Abraham to come outside of his tent to look up in the stars and say, Abraham, if you can count the stars, I'm able to do even more than that. Your descendants are going to be like the stars in heaven. You see, what you see in the heavens are not all the stars. God is saying, I'm able to go beyond that. Just like Moses, when God called him from the backside of a desert, from following his father-in-law's sheep, and he spoke to him out of a burning bush, God said, I want, I want you to dream a dream with me that my people are going to be set free and that I'm going to bring them into a promised land. But every dream and every dreamer is going to face some potential dream killers. Sometimes these dream killers are on the outside of us, but most of the time, the limitations are on the inside. The limitations that we put upon ourselves. Many of you are, are probably familiar with the name Helen Keller. Helen Keller became a, a brilliant um, uh, thinker and a contributor and an author, but she was born blind. And one person asked her, uh, out of a sense of pity, you know, it must be pretty, pretty sad to be blind and not be able to see. And Helen Keller said, the only thing that's worse than being blind is having eyes but no vision. There are a lot of people that have the ability to see, but they don't use that, that ability. They don't dream. They don't see what God can do. They put limitations upon themselves just like Moses. When God spoke to him out of the burning bush, and told him, I got a dream for my people to be free and worship me in a promised land. Moses began to offer up his limitations. God, I, I can't speak. I have, a, I have a stuttering problem. And God told Moses, listen, I'm the one that made your mouth. Just like Joseph. Joseph was a dreamer. And Joseph's limitations were not necessarily within himself, but it was his brothers. His brothers didn't believe in his dream. His father didn't believe in his dream. But God told Joseph, don't let, your, don't let the people around you limit what I can do. 
I'm sure Joseph could have said, well, if it's not just my brothers, Mrs. Potter relied on me. And now I'm in the prison. I've gone from the pit to Miss Potiphar to the prison. What can happen with my dream? God told Joseph, I'm with you wherever you go. I'm with you when you're in the pit. I'm with you when you're in Potiphar's house. And I'm with you when you're in the prison. God is waiting on his people to dream again. See, God's not limited by our provision, what we have and what we don't have. One day the disciples uh, were, were following Jesus and there were thousands of people that were in the crowd as he was preaching. And it was lunchtime and Jesus told the disciples, give the people something to eat. And one of the disciples, he calculated and said, it would take one year's wages just to feed all of these people just a little bit. And Jesus was questioning them, not because he knew that they could provide, but he already knew what he was going to do. Don't let what you don't have, your little, your lack of having enough, prohibit you from dreaming. God already knew our limitations before we knew his expectations. God knew your limitations. He knew that you couldn't speak. He knew you had a stuttering problem. He knew you only had two fish and five little biscuits. He knew that you had been thrown into a pit. He knew that they lied on you. He knew that they had thrown you into prison. He knew your limitations before you knew his expectations. He knew that you didn't have enough. He knew your upbringing. He knew the, the people who abused you. He knew about all of your past, your addictions and your habits. He knows your thoughts even now. Even before you knew his expectations, he knew you. And he already knows what he's going to do. God's only limitation is what you and I expect from him. His only limitation is your expectation. The only, the only box that God can ever be in is the box you put him in. And you place him in there by your expectations. I love this word in Ephesians 3. God is able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask. I dare you to dream big dreams. That's what God is saying. I dare you. I double dog dare you. I dare you to cross this line. Remember when you was growing up in school and you was going to have a fight, right? You, you didn't really want to fight. And you say, okay, you cross that line. We're going to fight. Then they cross the line. And now you're in trouble. You have to think of something else. So you pick up a stick and you say, knock this stick off my shoulder. And they knock the stick off your shoulder. You ain't got nothing else now. You either run or fight. God is saying, I dare you to ask of me, to dream, because I can not only do that, I can do so much more. You know, his only limitation is what we expect of him. Researchers say that when we're born, we live the first 30 years of our lives out of our imagination. We live our lives out of the side of our brain where we get creativity and dreams and, you know, children, live that, that side of their brain. They're always dreaming. You ask a child what they're going to be. I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm going to be the president. I'm going to be a cat. Right? They're kids. They, they, they can be a cat. They believe they can be a cat. 
They're living out of the side of the brain that, that we get creativity and ideas. But something happens tragically is the longer that we live, we begin to shift and live out of the side of the brain where we store our memories. And the moment that you start living out of your memories, and start living out of your past, and start living out of the pain of your past, you are now trapped and stuck. And God's only limitation is our expectation. Ten years ago, God gave me in Parklawn a dream. It was a dream to expand and renovate our campus. We added 40,000 square feet of new ministry space, making this one of the largest facilities of worship in the city of Milwaukee. We had a theme 10 years ago called Fulfilling the Dream people, plans, and purposes. And when that word got out, I remember one pastor in the city, I'm not going to name him, I forgave him, but I remember one pastor whom I knew, he said, man, what y'all doing over there? What you building? And I said, we're building a, a bookstore, and we're building a fine arts worship center, and we're building a cafe, and building a children's ministry center with a slide so kids can go from the first floor down to the basement and we're building new offices. And he said, man, I drove past your parking lot and looked like you burying somebody over there. I see this big pile of dirt. What y'all doing? And I heard people saying, you know, who they think they are? But that's the wrong question. Who do we think we are? The right question is, who do we think God is? Who do we think he is? See, we're dreaming big dreams because we know the God that we serve has a big plan for our lives. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly even beyond what we plan. So don't let people limit your dream. Let the size of your God determine the size of your dream. Your only limitation God's only limitation is your expectation. And so I want to submit this to you all that whatever God expects of us, God's expectation should become our inspiration. Once I know what God expects of me, I'm going for it. That should become my inspiration. And let me put it another way. God said it. I believe it. Let's go. Let's do it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I'm going after it. His expectation becomes my inspiration. That's what I read about when I look in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. We read about all those heroes of faith. Men and women who believe that they, they believe God. And the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God for whoever comes to God must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. God's not trying to take stuff back from you. He's trying to get stuff to you. If there are tears in heaven, and I don't believe there are because the Bible says he wipes away all tears, but if there were tears in heaven, I believe the tears would be you and I when we show up when we get to heaven and we see all the things that God had in store for us, but we never tapped into them. 
All the things that he dreamed about you being, the woman of God that he had for you being, the man of God, the husband, the child of God, the, 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 the employer, the entrepreneur, all of the books you should have wrote, all the songs you should have composed, all of the inventions that you should have made, just laying dormant in heaven. That's hell to me. It's not tapping into the full potential that God saw in me. But I, when I read about these heroes of faith, I read about people like Noah. God said, Noah, build an ark because it's going to rain. And nobody knew what rain was because it hadn't rained on the earth yet. And Noah said, God said it. I believe it. Fellas, start chopping down those trees. It's time to build. People like Abraham, when God said, Abraham, I want you to leave this familiar land and I'm going to take you to a land that you've never seen before. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Abraham said, God said it. I believe it. Let's start packing and moving. God's expectation should become our inspiration. See, these heroes of faith realize that faith turns God-given dreams into reality. Faith. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith. By faith we understand that the worlds were made from, from that which didn't even exist. Faith turns God-given dreams into reality. So my aim today is to equip you to dream again. Now if you're going to dream again, you need some tools. If you've been watching the NBA playoffs... You know that Giannis Antetokounmpo, the tool that he works with is a basketball. He's a master. He can take off from the free throw line and dunk on you. That's his tool. That's, that's what he goes to work with every day. Uh, Christian Yelich, when he stands behind the plate, that baseball bat in his hand, that's his tool. That glove when he's in the outfield, that's his other tool. Doctors, your tools are scalpels and stethoscopes. But if you want to know the tools that you need to tap into the economy of heaven, the tool is called faith. Faith is a dream reality tool. You will never tap into God-given dreams. They will never become a reality on the earth until you release your faith. And prayer is the power cord. Come on, can you just imagine having the most powerful electric screwdriver or electric drill in the world, but if it's not plugged up, Ain't nothing happening. Faith is the tool and prayer is the power cord. Prayer sticks that thing into the economy, the electricity of heaven. And God sends the power from heaven through your prayers because you believed him and it manifests on the earth. Hallelujah. Prayer is not just for old white-haired ladies to gather in the corner prayer room of a church. Prayer is for every believer. God said, if my people who are called by my name would pray, then would I hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal the land. Says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, a woman, child, boy, girl, it avails much. You can release your faith and you can tap into the economy of heaven by prayer. God's waiting on you to dream again. He wants his will on, in heaven to be done on earth. 
Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Say, he said, pray, Father, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come. So prayer is using my kingdom authority on the earth to tap into the reality of heaven. See, God has given us in, in Matthew um, chapter 9, Jesus says, I'm giving to you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus has given us dominion in this earthly realm. You and I are the official agents of God, not Satan. Satan is trespassing. Satan doesn't have a body. He has, he has no legal right down here. That's why he's seeking bodies that he can possess and whom he can oppress and whom he can terrorize in the mind so that they become his instruments of destruction. But Jesus has given every one of us who are believers in him, the Bible says in Romans 12, that he gave every one of us a measure of faith. Some of you have great faith. Some of you have small faith. Some of you have mustard seeds types of faith. Some of you have that failing faith. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. But that's all you need. Faith is how God works. Even God himself works by faith. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. Let me parallel that to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Keep that scripture up there. The worlds were made by faith. It's not that, it's, don't read that, that, okay, I've got faith, now I see the worlds were made. No, by faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. God had faith, therefore he spoke. God had a dream, and faith is the power tool that brings God-given dreams to reality. God had faith, so he spoke, and the worlds were framed out of that which were things that were not, uh, were not made of things which are visible. So God operates by faith. It is his modus operandi, his method of operation. God believes, therefore God speaks, and therefore he takes action, and what he says and what he does, it becomes manifest in our lives. God operates by faith. Faith is the key. Without faith, nothing happens. Without prayer, everything will remain the same. And so God has given you and I dominion on the earth to bring about his will. He's waiting on you to dream again. He's waiting on you to release your faith. He's waiting on you to take that power cord of prayer and plug it into the electricity of heaven. And all we have to do is look around us in our society. And we see sicknesses and we see poverty and we see erratic, irresponsible drivers and, 
and we see drug addiction and we see human trafficking and we see prostitution and, and we see domestic abuse and we see child slavery and we see unfair unemployment laws and, and we're sitting in the church praying, oh Lord, please do something about that. God's saying, no, you do something about it. <laughs> I've given you dominion on the earth. I've given you the I've given you a dream. Now I need you to believe it. I need you to speak it. And I need, you, I need you by faith to do something about it. Men are waiting on God to intervene. But we won't release our faith and mix it with prayer and with works. And so God's not going to do anything. We've been, we've been waiting on, on, on heaven to, to kick in. And God's saying, listen, you've literally shut heaven down until you release your faith. God's looking for men. He's looking for women to dream again. He's looking for somebody who will join in partnership with him. He needs, he needs a Moses who will lift up his hands on the mountain while Joshua's down in the valley fighting the battle. He needs, a, he needs a Joshua who will pray, Lord, stop the sun so I can get this work done, so I can destroy your enemies. He's looking for a man, like Ezekiel says, I'm, I'm looking for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found none. He's looking for a man ever since he's been looking for Adam in the Garden of Eden. He say, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? God's not asking a question because he can't see the answer. He's asking a question because we're not in the position that we are supposed to be. Adam, I gave you dominion over the earth. I, I caused you to, to name every animal on the earth, to name all the plants. But Adam, where are you? You're not in that place of fulfilling my God-given dreams. So faith is the key to everything. Come on, it's by faith that we're saved through grace. Faith is the key of everything. Faith is the greatest weapon on earth. And I got to be honest with you all, that sometimes my faith is not where it should be. Sometimes the enemy, he attacks my faith. That's why Paul said we fight the fight of faith. When your body gets sick, it's not so much an attack on your body, it's an attack on your faith. Do you believe God can heal you? When your finances are messed up, it's not just an attack on your finances, it's an attack on your, on your faith. Do you believe the first belongs to God? When your children are, are acting like they've lost their... When, you, when your children ain't acting right, I'm sorry, I forgot I was in church for a moment. When your children ain't acting right, it's not an attack on your children, it's an attack on your faith. Do you believe that God has a purpose and a destiny for their lives? And so we fight the good fight of faith. And it's in those times that, that our faith gets weeks that we stop praying. And when we stop praying and stop believing, dreams lay dormant in heaven. Faith is how God has chosen to cause everything to operate. If you want to see the, the manifestation of God's purpose in your life, you need faith. And the Bible simply says this in Romans chapter 4, verse 3. It says that Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, Abraham was not a perfect man. He lied to the king and said, Sarah is not my wife, she's my sister. He wasn't a perfect man. He slept with his wife's uh, handmaiden. Literally had a child out of wedlock. 
and then didn't make child support payments, sent the woman away. <laughs> he wasn't a perfect man. That's the Walter Harvey translation. But y'all know he sent her away. He didn't take care of her and that baby. God did. But the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. That word counted is an important word. It literally is an accounting term that means that it was credited to him in his account that he is righteous. Now, some of you all can relate to this because you know how your bank account is, right? It's got more zeros than it's got whole numbers in it. It might even be in the negative. So if you are in debt, if you are in a deficit, and somebody comes along and they shift your account from the debt, from the deficit, to where you have, now you have assets, you have gone from being unrighteous to righteous. That's what the scripture means. Abraham simply believed God and God shifted his account from the negative to the positive. He gave him a blank check. Said, how much you want in your account, Abraham? The limitation of what I can put in your account is your faith. It's an accounting term that means that God made him righteous. Let me, let me put it to you all this way because some of you all can relate to this. I, I've never been to a strip club in my life. Have no desire to go, but I'm told, I am told that when folks go, they take a bunch of ones with them. Somebody said amen. Don't, don't say amen too loud. They're going to know that's you. So what God did is before you was created, God put a bunch of ones in your account. And he said, I'm just going to make it rain on you, baby. I'm just going to make it rain on you. My There's no limits with me. Ain't that how y'all do it? I don't know if I'm doing it right or not. I know some of y'all are probably... Like you're dealing cards. But that's literally what God said. That when you release your faith, there's no partiality with me. Everybody has the same measure of faith. I'll do for you what I did for your sister in Christ, but you've got to release your faith like she did. God let faith be the door of our victory. He let faith be the tool that brings dreams into reality. He let faith be the key to your salvation. Faith is the key to your healing. Faith is the key to your deliverance. Faith is the key to your provision on your job. Faith is the key to your protection. Faith is the key to the success in your marriage. Faith is the key to your children rising to the level that God has ordained for them. Faith is the currency of heaven. Let me, let me tell you this. I saw this illustration, but it's mine now. This, 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 this dollar is how we transact business on the earth. It's, it's how we transact business. It says, the United States of America, Federal Reserve note, this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. If you try to do business in America, somehow out of 
a transaction that involves the U.S. dollar and its economy, you are illegal. This is legal tender for dealing with debts, public or private. It is a way to transfer what you need into your life. It's legal tender. So I may not have a new car, but if I got this, I can get one. I might be sick and need some medicine, don't have the medicine, but if I got this, I can go to the pharmacy and buy it. I may not have any food in my refrigerator, but if I got this, I can go to pick and save, and I can shop, and I can drop until I want to. Same thing is true in heaven. You might not have healing in your body right now, but if you got faith, you can get it. You might not be saved right now, but if you got faith, you can be saved. Whatever it is that you need from God in heaven, faith is going to be your key to get it. And I believe that God is saying this morning that he wants you to dream again. You thought that your dream was just to get up and go to work every morning, go to work, come home, eat dinner, watch Sports Center, go to bed, get up and go to work the next morning, come home, eat dinner, watch Sports Center, go to bed, come to church every now and then when Sunday comes. No, God has a bigger dream for your life. Now, let me tell you, if, if your dream involves... God's local and universal church, it's a dream from him. If your dream is just for you to get a new Cadillac or a Lexus or a Mercedes Benz, listen, God's saying, I can do so much more than that. I want to put dreams in your lives where, where it's going to transform the world. It's going to transform this community. I want, to see, I want to put dreams in your lives that are bigger than you, that go beyond you, that bless multitudes, just like Abraham. All nations of the earth shall be blessed because of you. So this morning, God is saying, my church, dream again. Dream again. Dream again. I want you to just close your eyes right now, and I dare you to just begin to dream again. What do you believe in God for? For your family, for your marriage, for your children. I dare you to dream again. I dare you to just begin to ask God right now. God says, I dare you to ask. I can go beyond that and so much more. What do you believe in God for? for your job, for your business, for your education, for your career path? What do you believe in God for? Some of you are believing God for, for a spouse or believe in God for children and for a family. God says, I'm able to do that and so much more. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to pray. Father, we come to you in faith right now, God. We come to you in faith, God. We thank you, Lord, that, that you give us God-given dreams that are bigger and beyond just blessing us, but it's to bless others and to bless nations and to bless the multitudes and it's to glorify you, God. Today, Father, we speak life over your people. We speak life over the dreams right now, God. God, we thank you that you've given us dreams that are, that are designed to glorify you and to destroy the works of Satan. I pray, Father, that the dreams that you're stirring up on the inside of us right now be activated by faith. I pray that your expectation, that your dreams become our inspiration, God. God, that faith begins to rise up and we say God has said it. I believe it and that settles it. That nothing is impossible with you. Nothing is impossible with you. Some of you right now, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, you're thinking about your children. You're thinking about some of, your, some of the situations you're dealing with. 
and it seems impossible. It seems like there'll never be one. There's no hope, but I'm telling you, nothing is impossible with God. Some of you are dealing with the diagnosis in your body and you're saying, listen, I've been dealing with this thing for so long. This thing is never going to leave me. It's always going to be in my, in my condition. It's always going to be in my family. I'm telling you, nothing is impossible with God. Release your faith this morning and begin to speak those things which be not as though they were. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.